Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello, welcome. We have Eric Pedersen with us, and I'm going to have my husband introduce him because he's his business partner at Techie for Life. So we have Dr. Eric Pedersen here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, Dr. Pedersen is the Dean of Science, Engineering and Technology at Dixie State University. Uh, he sits on a number of private business technology boards or businesses that have to do with the tech sector. He's a big tech guru. Um, sometimes we call him the wise guy of tech in Southern Utah when he's not around. He seems to know everyone and everything that's going on technology-wise, innovation-wise, business startup. He's been involved with a lot of technology startups. And kind of one of the things he's known for is understanding and managing the tech talent pipeline. And we're going to talk more about that because of the, the need that the tech industry is having for tech talent right now. One of the things I love about Eric is his natural affinity for mentoring. He is a natural teacher, helper, builder, and he's mentored me uh, many times in our in our school here. We actually sought Eric out for um, a partnership with Techie for Life because we needed someone involved that wasn't just all about therapy or problems, but actually about finding jobs, education, and independence. And that's one of the things I think makes Techie for Life special is having someone like Dr. Pedersen in our company. So welcome. And I don't know if you'd want to say anything to, and re refute anything I just said. No, I won't refute any of that. Thank you for that introduction. Appreciate that. How come you got involved with Techie for Life in the first place? Um, that's a great question. You know, I, I've, uh, I've been at Dixie State University for 32 years and I've taught software engineering and web application development for most of that time. And as you watch kids at the university and their potential and their, and their struggles, you, you notice that some of them are probably on the spectrum a little bit. And, and there's certain things that a university can do that can help them and certain things that probably are beyond the scope of the institution. And so as, as I've watched, I've, I've seen that there's an opportunity for a lot of these kids to be successful if the conditions are right. And I, and I viewed Techie for Life as one of those groups that could really help in supporting, uh, mentoring, and kind of growing their talents so that they could then meet the needs of some of the private sector companies. Yeah, I, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on our podcast is so that parents and mentors and even those who are neurodiverse maybe could have the perspectives you have from a, a university education perspective instead of the traditional therapeutic psychological perspective. And I think our industry, and especially us at Techie for Life, we're moving towards a focus on neurodiversity not being a mental health disorder, but being um, something that is diverse and adds benefit, but definitely comes with some hard things because they are not typical and nothing typical fits in the typical processes. What are some of the ways that, that you see students, 
that you would consider neurodiverse not fit in to the typical college or adulting transition uh, experience? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, as, as a faculty member, you'll, you'll recognize some of them and probably so, you know, have some suspicions that they might be on the spectrum and just because of their personal interactions or some of their behaviors and some of the things they might be doing. But, but then you, you might go beyond suspicion to, man, they're shutting down in my class and I don't know exactly why they'll stop coming. They'll stop. They just disappear sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And so, and that, and that's a whole other level, you know, some that are, that, that don't struggle a lot can kind of navigate and work their way through. And some that have kind of bigger challenges, they require, you know, more support uh, from a number of different perspectives. And I, I talk with a lot of parents who they have a son or daughter that very high IQ, high ability, they get accepted to really top colleges and universities and about They get maybe great in, grades on their SAT. Yeah, great grades. Tests. Academically, super solid, but that social emotional piece and their life skills and their coping, their resilience, their executive functioning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they they aren't able to to stick with it or, or stay in. Yeah, and, and you see that it's it's you know oftentimes you 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 watch kids struggle with the concepts in a class. You know, can I learn how to write a function or or do the coding or doing whatever they're doing. And, and then other times you'll see that they're struggling with other things that have nothing to do with the class. And most of those that are, that are on the spectrum a little bit, they don't have huge challenges with the academic side and the coding side. The, they're, they're incredibly bright. It's usually that other side where they need the support. Yeah, they get it so quick that they're bored and then they become a distraction in the class. Or they're sitting there making noises and not realizing they're distracting the whole class or they get overwhelmed by something socially and then they just stop coming. See, and I, I think that's the that's the thing that I've noticed most at the university setting. Something will, you know, there may be a, a, a group project that re- requires interaction. You know, it's not just me writing the code on my own. All of a sudden I have to work with a team. I'm gonna have to present that in front of a group. I'm gonna have to describe why it's a problem solve, why, and all of a sudden the expectation and the challenge goes beyond kind of what they what they do really well to those things that they don't do really the well. The soft skills, and then they the social stop. skills. They, they won't be part of the team. They won't be doing it. Their fight or flight kicks in yeah, 100 degree, 100%. Yeah, and, you're, and you're like, what happened there? And, and, and you have an idea or some suspicions, but I'm sure it's those inner challenges for each of them that, that just come out. The, uh, the difference between yesterday, they were so confident that they were calling you out that you did the problem wrong on the board and they knew you were wrong. And then the next day when you ask them to do a presentation, they can't even talk out loud. It, it's so funny and it just doesn't equate to, to my mind sometimes um, that they're so different. Yeah, but the, the, the great thing about those kids are, are usually they bring such great strengths to where they're strong that you really want to facilitate their success within that space. But then they don't have those other elements and, and it, becomes, it becomes a challenge. So one of the things that we've watched you do and that we've worked a lot with our students on is placing students into jobs, internships, and careers and finding the right fit. So if, if you were to create the perfect 
job setting for these types of person? Well, let's start with college setting. If you were to create the perfect college setting for these students, what would that look like? What would it involve? Maybe how would it be different than a typical college student experience? Um, that, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I think what they need the most is, is kind of a, a belonging or a tribe that they can connect to, that they feel comfortable within. If they if they don't have that, the other stuff's probably not going to happen. So in a university setting, you know, is there is there a gaming night mm -hmm. that the kids get together and can interact and build those relationships in a way that they have that tribe or that that support within that group, and then then they'll naturally bring their talents to the programming or the academic sides if they feel those elements. So in a university environment, you can create some of that. But you're limited as to how far you can go in those, you know, in those relationship building elements. I just thought of a way we could probably make a lot of money. If we started fraternities <laughs> and sororities across the United States, a Greek order for neurodiverse students, because they're never going to get accepted into the cool athletic or, <laughs> or whatever student council type fraternities, but they do need a place to belong. Yeah. Um, one of the problems that we have is, our students, we can't even get them to go up on campus, even if it would be perfect for them, they avoid it. There might be a perfect club um, that they are actually really good at. We have we have students that come that could be a college scholarship golfer, for example, but we can't get him or her to go participate. So that's really hard. So even if a university has great um, offerings for belonging, like clubs or activities, we have a really hard time getting our students to go. It's almost like the university has to reach out and walk with them into the building. Um, we've offered, we know there's a large local group of young adults who don't get their needs met. They wish they had a place to belong. And we've actually extended that to the community and opened up Techie for Life. And we know there's at least 100 kids between ages 18 and 30 that would love to come and be a part of a pizza night, a video game night, and they won't show up. And the parents are just pulling their hair out saying, we know they need it. We know they want it. We know you created that just for them and we still can't get them to go. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, it's such an unknown. It's scary if you don't have someone to walk with you in that or someone that invites you in and brings you in. Hey, come join us. And they need it, which points to the fact that our students really do wish and need they, that they had friends romances, belonging. They pretend that they're individual, they don't need people, or that they're introverts. And they might be introverts, but they need to be around people. Um, most of them by far are just as or more social, at least in how they need to be social than our other students. They just avoid it because they care so much. They're so afraid of rejection. Um, how, do, how do you help them feel comfortable up on campus in your classrooms? Is there anything that teachers could do or counselors or parents could recommend to help students maybe fit in better? I, maybe that's a long shot, but. Yeah, I'd have to think about that for a second. Um, it's not really the teacher's I, I, job, right? They don't think, yeah, how I, can I make my students feel like they're, they're a part of the class? Well, some faculty members naturally are nurturing and mentoring and, and kind of reach out in those ways, and some don't. I mean, I think that reflects on the individual personalities of each of the faculty members. Um, in terms of 
what a parent could do. I think I I, I don't. <laughs> I guess it depends on the relationship back with the parent. Yeah. Sometimes that can be challenged as well. So there's there's definitely challenges on both sides on on helping that happen. Well, and I think the the big thing in this is recognizing that just because they have certain abilities or certain IQ, maybe they're academically solid. College is. There's a lot more to being successful at college than just that academic piece. So the more you're preparing your son or daughter in the social emotional areas, that's going to be in the avocation investment well that they spent. do in high school. I think most parents just focus on getting them through high school, and then once they get to college, somehow magically they will just become a a successful college student, and it just never happens. Not for our students anyway. Yeah, and if they've been just getting through high school with a lot of supports and then you just send them off to college. I mean, I just was talking to a mom the other day that that was, they, they've done all these supports and all these things. And then he got into a great college and he got there and he just was not prepared. All for... the supports have been IEP mm-hmm. grade focused, graduation diploma focused, yeah. not life skills, social belonging focused. That's right. And, and you can, and you can see it in the, in, in, what the outcome becomes of a kid when they come to college in that space. What usually happens if they don't have those is they stop coming. They stop performing. They stop. They just stop. They freeze. They're, and then their strengths kinda, are lost because yeah, of their weaknesses. And, and, and once, once they kind of get into that space, it's usually a failed semester. And those failed semesters uh, are challenging because then that becomes the mindset of, well, now I failed that semester. Can I overcome that on top of the other things? Yep. And so it kind of stacks on the challenges if, if that hasn't been approached in ways that are meaningful uh, for that individual student. So you kind of spoke to the college experience. Placing students into internships with companies or actually jobs, I, my guess is people call you all the time and say, Eric, we need people that can do this. We need someone who can do this. How do you help them find, what would you suggest for someone who has some neurodiversity, some severe ADD, some high functioning autism, or even, or even different than that? Yeah, I, I think companies would, I mean, co- companies need the talent. That, that much I know. There, there isn't a, you know, a, an executive in the companies that I'm working with that hasn't identified talent, tech talent, uh, engineering talent, those kinds of talents as one of the number one challenges that they face, attracting them, bringing them in, and helping them solve their problems. And the neurodiverse have have some focused skill sets that are exceptional in that space. But if they don't get along with a team or if they don't have some support issues, it's, it's much like the college experience. They'll freeze up, they'll have failures, they'll end up leaving the organization or they'll get fired. And so organizations have to be intentional about how they support as well. Um, How do you get into those opportunities? Um, Relationships are the best way in. Always Networking. Yeah, I mean, knowing people within the space, having someone else know you, and and that that can happen in the college environment as well. I I watch um, past students of mine who continue to those networking opportunities. And I probably shouldn't say this, but they poach students from other companies and they get poached from other companies and those relationships lend themselves to really the opportunities of getting in. So connecting with a college professor, maybe offering to work with them, 
be a, a college professor, another college student, another mm-hmm. any of the the hierarchy of relationships at the institution lend themselves to that. What what is this tech talent shortage we hear so much about? Um, well, companies need a lot more talent than 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 education is producing, uh, and it's and, and we're really not even coming close. Companies are frustrated finding the technical skills they need to grow, and and the numbers are really big numbers. In uh, as you look regionally, there's you know there's there's always open positions within your computing and engineering space. Uh, and it's not just one or two, it's many. You know, this company will need 17, this company needs 10, this company needs... And, and when you start adding all that up and, and higher ed and other sources are only producing a very, very small number compared to the number that's needed. Innovation and technology, the opportunities seem to be exponentially growing for how we can use data, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and anyone who can do those things is, is in really high demand. Like you said, this, just the law of su- supply and demand makes it so that if they have a hard personality to work with, a quirky personality that doesn't get social nuance, someone that has some hygiene issues, they're way more willing to take on somebody who can do the job and they'll deal with those quirky issues if they can get the talent. And I think that's one of the reasons why neurodiverse young adults can go into the tech sector maybe easier than the service industries or any other like business, sure. which is all about selling and marketing and nuance and charisma. and Yeah. Much easier in the tech than in sales or in some of these others, for sure. No question. And there's a lot of opportunity for really capable and also like lower, like entry level type positions and different types of brains and thinking within the tech industry, They don't all have right? to be 120 or 130 IQ if they can just learn a specific skill set, right? Yeah. I mean, companies are looking for talent. And so if they provide that and, and they can function within those teams, then there's plenty of opportunity for sure. Why is it that the neurodiverse brain specifically could actually be a huge benefit to the tech industry, what is it about how their brains work that is so attractive? Well, I, I, it, it, it's both the pro and the con at the same time. They focus in, and are very, very clearly focused in on certain things, even obsessively. Oh, no question. But that's and, a, and so they get in and they get, they become, they they go really deep into certain skill sets or certain sectors. So they become exceptional programmers or exceptional at data and data moving and exceptional at, at, at those different skill set spaces at the expense of maybe communication or interaction or other things. And mm-hmm. so their brains focus on that and don't focus on the other things. So their perspectives could really be expanded in one area, but then shallower and dimensionally in, in other areas. No, no question. That's how we describe their brains is that they only have, a, we all have a certain number of neural pathways, but the neurodiverse brain, especially with autism, all those neural pathways get pushed in a certain direction. So they're really great and strong in that area at the expense of maybe the social emotional yeah. piece. That doesn't mean they have less emotions or less social needs. It means they aren't as good at understanding or managing those. Yeah. I, you know, and, and really the challenge then becomes 
is how do you provide the right kinds of supports for the areas that may be lacking. And, and I think that's where you can create the best success for someone is, is okay, you belong to this team, which is more social emotional. You're going to be working within this team. Yes, these are the problems you're going to be solving, but this is how we're going to support you within this team or this tribe or this group. And once they feel comfortable within that space, they're great contributors. And we're trying to shift the identity from um, you're a social, emotional, mental health kid that fits in the psych department of a university and, you know, the, the developmental resource lab over to maybe the technology department mentality, which means somehow they're going to have to get those needs met. Um, and that's not a natural fit. Uh, I, I, one of the things I love about Dixie State is the majority of professors we've met with and interacted with are hired because they are personable. They want to talk to the students, small class size. And I don't know if that's on purpose. That is that Dixie State's, I don't know, is that their goal? We're, we're for sure intentional about hiring faculty members that have student success in the top of their mind. And, and that means they're nurturers and mentors and and they and they're trying to do what will help those students be most successful. Um, that said, there are limits to that, but definitely that's been an intentional activity at the university to to bring uh, our own faculty talent into that space. Do you have some examples? Well, well, first, let me ask you: How do you feel? Were you surprised that Elon Musk came out and announced that he was um, Asperger's or high functioning autist? Uh, no, I didn't really surprise. I mean, you suspect uh, certain character, you know, the kind of character that he is. That that's not surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, it's not at all. Is it? No, that's funny. And he's and he's done an amazing thing. And because his brain was different, yeah. he's done different. Yeah, I, you know, I, we we all have our own little unique characteristics and traits, and and figuring out how to take the best strengths from. Uh, different people is really kind of part of the puzzle and it's a fun part of the puzzle uh, that that you want to solve because I think if you really look at people you can find their the the great contributions that they can make if you you dig in a little bit and and you're focused and intentional. So Eric what are you passionate about what do you love just as a person and in your job and in life tell us a little bit about you and what you love. Well you know, I'll kind of start with with the job side. One, I, I love solving solving problems. I think innovation happens when you and you find something that really needs to be solved, that it's meaningful, and you can jump in and and kind of get a great understanding of that, and then figure out what those solutions lend themselves to. That so gets you excited. Yeah, that's the innovation side of me. The entrepreneurial side is equally as interesting to solving the puzzle to the startup, to the team, to the launch, to, to getting involved in those spaces. Uh, those are those are things that just light you up and, and make you, you know, want to get up in the morning and, and dig into something. And so that's that's probably the area that I have the most passion for is the innovation and the entrepreneurial side. And I like to connect it to technology because I think technology generally there's ways you to utilize technology to solve problems and so if you combine those then it becomes extremely fun uh, to, to, to produce or to create a, a company or an organization that's 
solving very meaningful problems. Uh, I, I think that's what drives me. And, and, and inherent to all of that is you have to figure out the people that you are going to be doing that with. It's the human side of that it, because it's humans who solve the problems. It's humans that write the code. It's humans that design a user experience. It's humans that do all the things that, that interact with that. So the human side of that is the biggest part of the puzzle. So that kind of leads me to why I think you were willing to work with us at TechieFly, but maybe you could just explain. You are a very sought-after businessman, partner. You've got people asking you to be on boards, to go in on new businesses all the time, and yet you took the time to jump in with us at Techie for Life, a no-name, never-been-done before, small vocational school for young adults who are quirky. Why did you Why did you jump in and help? Well, I again you can see strengths in 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 different students and you know as you watch students over a 30 plus year you know career you start to recognize that you know they may they may have some little quirks about them but they also bring huge strengths to the table then those are what are needed to solve the problems that focus the the intentionality of them the the almost obsessiveness to get in and really learn everything about that and, and dig into it. I, I think that's part of the that's part of the puzzle and and the human part of the puzzle. And then what are the ele- other elements that, that do that? You know, if you if I were being perfectly honest and I'm not sure I want you to quote me across a podcast on this, but if I'm being perfectly honest, there's probably a lot more that are on the spectrum that ever in the tech and engineering space than ever get diagnosed. Right. <laughs> and, and so we've been to Silicon Valley. So you you start to think about those personality and character sets, and and many of them have been just part of the puzzle. They have to be part of that puzzle because of what they what they bring, and I think that's 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 one of the. That's one of the really attractive elements of being involved with students in the in the neurodiverse space. I think that's that's very attractive. We want to pull in those strengths and figure out the rest of the puzzle to support that. You know, as I start companies, I, I I'm thinking back to a number of the the people I've been involved with, and and they were probably never never diagnosed, but they clearly have elements. Traits. Character traits yeah. that that are on that part of the spectrum, and 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 so when you have kind of that culture, maybe that you know that that grouping, you, you want to figure out what the solve is for that as well. Debbie and I come from the whole human side, you know, the mental health, the, the development side of of this, and we've launched in kind of to the tech field. So the tech field is our foreign space, and it's been fun to have you come from the tech space and and jump into the human side of what we do. It's been a fun marriage, I think, between the two groups. So for sure. It's been so great to have you a part of TFL and for what you've done for our students, helping us find the right internships and job opportunities. Um, it's just been so great to have your skill set. We could have never done it without you. So we're, we've been really grateful to have you a part of Techie for Life. Um, is there anything you wanted to add, Dick? Well, and like our, our students appreciate your mentorship and really respect you. And, and it's actually that incentive, too, when they do our program. Um, 
they know, like when they're ready, they get an interview with Eric Pedersen and, and he's so good. You're just so good at finding where are they good at? What are their strengths? What company could really use them? And it's, it's fun when we get a good match and a good placement and a yep. student has success that they never would have been able to pull together on their own. And the company's happy and the, it, how it works for everyone. I think it's been a great little relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think for me, the big takeaway, um, if, if you have a son or daughter that might have talents or attributes that could lend to the tech industry or the tech fields, um, do not underestimate that importance of, yes, nurture that tech ability and their intellectual academic side, but also that social emotional piece. and. The more opportunities that they can have to work in teams or outside of the classroom outside and just grades, yeah, yep, it's be a part of groups, clubs, teams, volunteer stuff, church groups, yeah, yeah, and don't just send them off to college just because you know they're smart. Smart, like we've got to look at the whole picture so they really can sure. be successful, not just in college but after too. Absolutely. So anyway, we're excited. We're thankful. Glad to have you come on. And Thank you for having me. What a fun conversation. What a fun uh, you know, group, uh, group of students. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful group of kids, and, and uh, I've really appreciated getting to know many of them. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Well, we hope you have a wonderful week and enjoyed this conversation with, with Eric Pedersen, and take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.